0: Christmas with Henry, Episode 3, Written and Read by Michael Young The next morning, Charlie stood outside Megan's hospital room, clutching a child's hand in each of his and awaiting the verdict of the nurse. "'When can we see Mommy?' asked James, his dark-haired son of four years. His other son, Nolan, had fairer hair and was six. "'Soon, little guy,' said Charlie." "'hoping it was true. "'The nurse has to... "'His words fell short as he realized "'he could not adequately explain what the nurse had to do. "'Fortunately, she appeared not long afterward, "'her clipboard clipboard high and a twinkle in her eye. "'She's doing much better today and is awake. "'Perfect day for the fan club to visit.' "'The boys rushed forward into the room, "'and Charlie let them go, releasing all their pent-up energy. He let them hug their mother.' both of them talking over each other in an attempt to tell her just about everything that had happened since the last time they'd seen her. Nolan told her everything about first grade. Spelling tests, riding the bus, eating in the cafeteria, playing at recess, and all the while Charlie stood by, silently holding her hand. "'It was so much fun, Mommy,' Nolan said. "'We had a Christmas party at school today, and, and there were lots of presents!' And candy! James chimed in. We saw Santa! He reached up and put a hand on his mom's. He's real, Mommy! He's real! When the boys finally took a second to breathe, she looked up and managed a smile. Sounds like you've been busy, hon. Thanks for taking care of everything. Charlie nodded and stooped by her bed. No problem. He paused, thinking about Henry's story from the day before. Sweetheart, do you remember the first time you saw me? She straightened herself up in bed, her eyes clearer than usual, as though her pain meds hadn't dulled her senses a bit. (laughs) Of course. At that beach party, I laughed at your farmer's stand. Resting his face in his hands, Charlie wagged his head back and forth. Okay, I admit, it was pretty bad. (laughs) You were perfect. I noticed all of your long, dark... He reached up and ran his fingers through his own hair. Well, never mind. I guess I just wanted to talk about something happy for a change. In his mind's eye, he saw his family walking along the beach, much like Henry had described, he and his wife leaving footprints behind for their children to follow. Would his children be able to find the way if the trail faded to a single set of prints? He had let their children talk to their mother for another ten minutes, but could then see the lines of strain forming on her face. Her brow broke out with sweat, and her eyes twitched ever so often. Though it pained him to do so, Charlie gathered his sons and had them give their mother a goodbye kiss. Just for now, said Charlie, though he never knew if that might actually be their last meeting. "Mommy well, needs we need some rest. He leaned down to kiss his wife. And to his surprise, she chuckled softly. "I bet you still got it," she said groggily. Charlie kissed her forehead, and then straightened up. Got what? (laughs) That farmer's tan. After dropping the children off at school, Charlie ventured back to the park, drawn there as though it boasted a neon sign advertising all of the answers. Even from afar off, he could see Henry sitting on the same bench, one leg crossed over the other, examining a flock of birds that pecked around his feet. On seeing them, Henry raised a hand and stood. "'Good morning, Charlie. How fares your wife?' Charlie quickened his pace and sat next to Henry on the bench. "'A bit better this morning. I was able to bring the children in to see her, though she can't keep it up for long. They're just so full of life.' (laughs) Ah, yes, said Henry, one hand playing absently with his beard. Children are precious. Sometimes they, too, come with a high price. Leaning in a bit, Charlie could see the deepening crevices on Henry's face. Is this about your wife? Do you want to continue the story? Henry nodded. Well, seeing as how you came back, I suppose I will continue. It takes less time to do a thing right than to explain why you did it wrong. But in this case, it seems I have no choice. He cleared his throat and crossed his legs again. Shortly after we married, I accepted a position at Harvard, the Smith Professorship of Modern Languages. I cannot have been more elated. Here I was, a professor at a prestigious school, and married to a wonderful dear woman, whom I loved from my youth. He crossed his legs and leaned forward on the bench. It saddens me to say that I spent much more time with the first than the second. One of my own teachers once told me that heights by great men reached and kept were not obtained by sudden flight. While their companions slept, they were toiling upward in the night. And toil I did. Research, correspondence, evaluating the work of my students. All of this made me keep long hours on campus. And fewer and fewer hours at home. Well, you must have spent some time with your wife," said Charlie. "I mean, you would i mean, you were newlyweds. I remember never wanting to be apart from her back then." Henry chuckled. "Indeed, we made the best of the time we did have. But I was a fool. I thought we would have all the time in the world, decades to enjoy each other's company, to travel and to explore together." "'It never entered my young mind that our time might be fleeting, "'for age is opportunity no less than youth itself, "'though in another dress, and as the evening twilight fades away, "'the sky is filled with stars, invisible by day.' "'Then I take it she died of something sudden,' said Charlie. "'You didn't have time to prepare yourself for it.' "'Oh, I had plenty of time, about six months, in fact.' It did not take long to discover that my wife was with child. The very thought of having a son or daughter of my own lent a golden glow to all my endeavours. I could scarcely keep it a secret from my students and the other professors. Charlie hung his head. I think I can see where this is going. Yes, said Henry. It's not hard to follow. The very foundations of my life cracked and broke in a single day. As a stipulation of my taking professorship at Harvard, the president of the college assigned me to a year abroad in Europe, and I had taken Mary back there with me. We were in Rotterdam when she went into premature labor. The baby did not survive. The doctors tried to help, but in the process, Mary was severely injured and never recovered. He raised his eyes to the heavens, his fingers knit together, I cannot adequately describe the horror and shock I felt on the day she died. I always supposed that only old age would silence her lovely voice, stop her dearest heart. But not only was I not to be a father, but a widower as well. Night and day I could only think. She is dead. She is dead. All day I am weary and sad. Charlie hung his head. Even if he lost his wife to cancer, at least he would still have his sons. To lose his wife and only child in a short time must have been unthinkably difficult. Just when he thought no one could possibly have it worse off than himself. How did you do it? How did you survive something like that? Henry looked up and the expression on his face looked as though the pain of the loss were no more than a few days fresh. I... I don't know. For a while I simply did not cope. I felt utterly cut off from the world, more adrift than I had ever been in my long walks through the European countryside. I'm not sure that there is a right way to grieve. We all do it in our own way. I was cast into what seemed like a bottomless pit. I told myself that I would endeavour to climb even a tiny distance each day, that thus I might eventually draw myself out. I would allow myself one thing that I had not experienced the day before. It took weeks, months perhaps, before I had a single day that resembled anything of the normal. Fortunately for me... The administration of the university understood let me take my time to come back to them i poured out my grief in my writing he raised his eyes and gazed into the distance his voice taking on a more musical quality as with them the being beauteous whom unto youth was given more than all things else to love me and is now a saint in heaven with a slow and noiseless footstep Comes that messenger divine, takes the vacant chair beside me, lays her gentle hand in mine. And she sits and gazes at me with those deep and tender eyes, like the stars so still and saint-like, looking downward from the skies. Uttered not, yet comprehended, is the spirit's voiceless prayer. Soft rebukes and blessings ended, breathing from her lips of air. Oh, though oft depressed and lonely, all my fears are laid aside, if I but remember only such as these have lived and died. Charlie couldn't think of anything to say. The words flowed so easily from the man's mouth. His classes must have been something special to attend. Henry reached up with one hand, indicated a barren tree with a single finger that looked as if it belonged as an offshoot of its skeletal branches. Grief and healing are a cycle, much as nature's. Look at that tree now, and you might suppose that it has lost everything, all semblance of beauty, all its fruit, all of her flowers, everything that gave it any appearance of purpose or meaning to it. It provides little shade... Does not much gladden the eye or any of the other senses, but it is still a tree, alive, with the potential to spring forth again as fruitful as it ever was. cup spring, dozens will relax daily in its shade, and bask in the sweet scent of the blossoms, and taste the succulence of its fruit. But it will be no less of a tree than it was in the winter, only "'that in one season it was blessed with plenty, "'and in another with want.' "'Charlie felt a hard lump forming in his throat "'and looked over to see Henry's eyes glistening. "'It had been some time since Charlie had been touched "'by someone else's words, if he were to lose his sweetheart, "'that it was precisely how he would feel "'and how slow the recovery process would seem. "'But as well the words gave him hope.' "'that this man had weathered a similar catastrophe in his life "'and that he also had a chance. "'Thank you, Henry,' said Charlie, "'trying not to let too much emotion into his voice. "'That's precisely what I needed to hear today. "'Sorry you had to go through what you did.' "'Henry stood, wiping his eyes in the back of his sleeve "'and then wiping the front of his coat briskly with his hands. "'So am I.' But then again, I'm still here. I must go on. I must go now. But if you come again, I promise that we will speak of happy things. Charlie placed a hand on Henry's shoulder and squeezed gently. I think I'd like that.